Hi, I am Martin. If you say it, I hear it. If you do it, I see it. And if it matters, I talk about it on Moments That Matter with Martin. Let's get talking. Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am your host, Martin Agon. Joining the conversation today is Account Executive Intent Health, freelance writer and public speaker, Tila Clayton. Hello, Tila. Hi, Martin. Thanks for having me on. Really good to have you, Tila. Also on the podcast is public relations lecturer at Leeds Beckett University, Leeds, UK, and editor of PR Place Insights, Richard Bailey. Hi, Richard. Hello, Martin. Now, what have we heard this time? Let's take a listen. I really appreciate anyone that's trying to drive forward professionalism in public relations. It's something that I've been trying to do for 25 years and in absolute earnest for the last decade or more, particularly bringing together academia uh, and practice. You know, the outset of this issue has to be how you define what a profession is. What is the standard that disciplines such as management, finance and and law set themselves up to that we look to be and aspire to be measured against? There's five tests for that. So first of all, there's a barrier to entry in the form of some qualifications. You're setting out on your journey through education, through your master's qualification. Secondly, there needs to be a period of conversion from theory to practice. So learning to apply what you've learned in the university and academic environment in practice. Now, that's something that the industry often gets very, very wrong. Uh, We assume that students should come out of university ready to work and it's not the case in any other profession so why should it be in public relations you know the thought that somebody who'd been to medical school or somebody who'd studied finance or someone who'd studied the law would be immediately be able to practice as either a doctor an accountant or a lawyer is just a nonsense that so there needs to be that period of conversion third there needs to be a license to operate enforced by a professional association so standards the cipr leads on that in the uk but increasingly the prca is also assertive members sign up to a code of conduct and that conduct is enforced in a way that members and the public can understand fourth there needs to be a means of continual professional development and practitioners should commit to that. We work in a field that's evolving incredibly quickly with media technology and also practice itself. And the final thing is the community between theory and practice. That's something that we've seen growing in the last 10 years or so and long may that continue. So five tests, we meet some of them, we fail in other areas. I would love to see public relations and acknowledges a profession alongside other disciplines that I've mentioned, but I think I'm going to be a long time into retirement before it happens. That was Stephen Waddington, managing partner, Watts Inc., marketing, media and public relations consulting, and former president of the UK's Chartered Institute of Public Relations, CIPR. Let's get on with the conversation. So Richard, what was your initial reflection of these views shared by Stephen Waddington? Okay, well, I'll start just one phrase back, and I applaud Stephen Waddington for what he says, and I applaud him for what he does, because actions speak louder than words, and he single-handedly has tried very hard over the past decade 
to bring the world of public relations practice and the world of public relations academia together. So to that extent, I completely agree with Stephen Waddington. We may well get on to a discussion of areas where I disagree with him, but yes, it's deeply frustrating that practitioners often don't read. It's equally frustrating that I think some academics do not seek to write for practitioners. They only seek to write for peer approval. So there's two worlds potentially drifting apart when we need those two worlds to work together. It's interesting you say that, Richard, because again, Stephen makes the point that PRO does not seem to agree if it's a craft, an industry or a profession. Tila, how would you situate public relations? Is a really interesting question. One of the problems is that everyone thinks they can do it for a start. So it's not new that we've got this struggle to assert its value in the boardroom, for example, because I'm a, a bit in the situation like Richard, where, I mean, obviously he's a lecturer and I was a student last year. And since doing my dissertation, I have taken on quite a bit, like I've just written an academic paper. I'm going to present my dissertation at Bloodcom. So I'm kind of seeing firsthand what Richard is describing, that people are so keen to separate the academia from the actual practice. And I, I think that some academics deliberately make things more esoteric so people can't understand what is happening. I also think that there's a, a lot of places that don't want to pledge their ethical stance with places like the PRCA and the CIPR. I think that's a real issue. And, you know, one of those things that you pledge is to constantly be updating your knowledge. So at the moment, I would have to say, Given the amount of people that don't subscribe to those things, I don't think we are a profession yet. You've just said that you, you were a student just about a year ago, right? Did much of your PR education prepare you for what it is you're doing right now? I think, and I know that Richard will agree with this, because actually, of all the advice my lecturers gave, like it was Richard's that, you know, actually in real time got me a job. And that was him saying publish content regularly. So I was regularly taking part in the best student PR blog. Then that was featured on This Week in PR. And it was ultimately down to networking. So as much as we want to change the industry and make it more accessible and more inclusive, it is still, I think, a case of not what you know, but who you know. It's up to you as an individual. And I think a lot of learning takes place outside of the classroom. And you have to go out and seek that knowledge yourself. Can I jump in at that point and throw back the compliment in Teela's direction? Because it's lovely what she said about me. I think that ability to network, whether we're in a pandemic or not, but it's an ability to network is a really valuable one. And I think it's a really hard lesson for undergraduates to learn. They're a generation anyway who thinks every relationship can be negotiated through a phone. But let's not forget the fundamentals of public relations and relationships, presumably, is one of those fundamentals. Perhaps if we consider this, public relations has significant roots in state propaganda of institutionalized propaganda. Do you feel like the actual practice of PR today still reflects hangover from that experience, constraining certain principles of PR to just a matter of academic theory? 
Like I always shudder a little bit when people kind of talk about PR as spin and propaganda and that kind of thing, because I, I think it's often people who don't quite understand what it is that we do in PR. And, you know, that is an awful lot of people. <laughs> and don't even get me started about having to fill in the census. It's always going to be tainted by the scandals that happen, like Bell Pottinger, for example. And But I think that bad news makes good news. Like people like to hear about that, that darker side, don't they? And, and there is this symbiosis between journalism and PR that journalism just don't seem to want to accept because, you know, we rely so closely on that relationship and yet there's so much friction behind it. Like PR is behind absolutely everything and the more that you work in the industry, the more you see that literally every experience you have has had some kind of PR behind it. Can I jump in on that? Because I thought that was a great question, Martin. I think you're spot on. In fact, I can prove that the public relations professional body in the UK started out of government propaganda. Then Institute of Public Relations was founded in London in 1948. The timing was no coincidence. It was immediately after the Second World War, where a whole bunch of people who'd done government propaganda gained great skills trying to boost morale at home and diminish morale among you know, Britain's enemies abroad. All right, so those people needed a peacetime activity they could feel proud of, and they called it public relations, and they created a professional body, the Institute of Public Relations. I agree with your connection. Public relations does have origins in propaganda. It is awkward for the professional project, because how can we claim to be professionals when we are clearly propagandists. There's no easy way to answer that. I go with Jo Fawkes, who wrote a brilliant book on public relations ethics, and she describes propaganda as the shadow side of public relations. To understand public relations, we need to look squarely at propaganda and understand it. I think that a lot of people are, are kind of moving away from that idea that is just all about spin and like I say I don't like that thought because working in health comms I kind of see the important work that is is done in PR and I think it, it is interesting about ethics because I think again that's something that people don't necessarily agree on exactly what ethics are obviously there's the code of ethics by the PLCA and CIPR but then there's something personal at the heart of it and and moral. Those things are subjective to different people. So I think that's why it's so important for people to join those associations. Maybe some of those gaps that we talked about earlier do come through in the different kind of experience each student will get, depending on, on which university they go to. And, and for me, Leeds Beckett was an obvious choice because of how kind of practical and hands-on it was the fact that I got to work in groups and work on live projects I have to say that those kind of experiences are ones that lend themselves more easily to my practice. You've talked about PRCA and the CIPR which I know you're a member of and that speaks to professionalism so let's talk about that for a little bit. Stephen also makes the point that the PR profession does not seem to have criteria for entry into the profession, whether by way of qualifications, accreditation, or adherence to a code of practice. Is that true? How much of a concern is that? 
Okay, well, this is the point at which I'm going to differ from Stephen Waddington. So let me raise it directly. What's the problem we're trying to solve here? Yes, it's rather hard to pin down public relations practice, partly because so many people are doing so many different things. Let's say we really wanted to put everyone in a box. So we have to define that box and we have to say exactly what's required to go in that box. What would we lose by creating this arbitrary box? Well, we'd lose lots of rather unconventional people who didn't fit the box. All right. We might end up an even less diverse industry or profession than we are at present. And we are insufficiently diverse right now. We are, to be uncontroversial for a minute, we are two thirds female to one third male. So that's hardly balanced. If you have, for example, a bunch of middle-aged white men and women creating the boxes that everyone has to fit into in order to say they are a public relations practitioner, we may create boxes to suit our own image and we may end up a less diverse, a less entrepreneurial, a less creative profession than we are today. I do not agree that you want everyone to think the same way, tick the box the same way, jump through the same hoops in the same order, or conform to the same square peg as the CIPR says we should. But I'm speaking for me. I'm not speaking unlike Stephen Waddington, a past president of the CIPR. Forgive me. Well, we'll see what Tila has to say about that. Because statistically speaking, we have about 90,000 PR practitioners in the UK, and only about 10% of that number are members of the CIPR. Can't we have diversity that that 90,000 persons or more represent all in a standardized professional box like the CIPR or the PRCA? What is there to be lost or gained? Yeah, I think, Martin, you've made a really good point. If only 10% of members are even members of the thing and only a subset of them are adhering to the, the boxes that I've alluded to, you know, it's a lot of energy going into something not very productive when that energy might be better put into something that is productive, <laughs> serving clients, writing blog posts, writing or reading books, for example. But I'm being controversial here. We want diversity. We want people to feel they belong. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, I, I kind of look at it with two lenses. I've, I've got my kind of, you know, lived experience as a, a, a brown woman. And I also look at things, at, you know, from the perspective of, of being a former teacher because education for me is something I'm passionate about and I, I don't ever want to stop learning but I think from my point of view PR you know it's always pitting education against experience so you'll see agencies saying oh university is a waste of time like you know come and work for us come and get some experience and I think stop like the moment that we realise those two things are not comparable and actually they work together, then, you know, we'll we'll get a lot further in, in any argument that we're having. I think that, you know, the CIPR state of the report, which I'm, I'm sure you've seen, Martin, talks a lot about how the makeup of the PR profession, like Richard says, you know, two thirds women, a lot, a lot of the people who come into the profession come from public schools and that sort of background you know they are they are people with privilege and i think that 
based on you know this idea that we then put in more barriers for people yes of course that's going to reduce diversity at all levels not just ethnicity as we bring this conversation to a close do you feel like covid has deepened the strengths and relevance of pro or has exposed its weakness and what's the future of pr post covid 19 for me covid and and you know the idea of this community spirit and i very much think to like this time last year when everyone kind of so together and so against covid and ready to fight a lot of the rhetoric was around fighting and being united and that kind of stuff and I, i think covid very much quickly made that ground fertile for social movements and, you know, it, it's we're talking about the kind of systemic inequalities that, that probably most of us on this call have had to deal with our entire lives and have put up with it as something that happens. And then suddenly twen- in 2020, we're now talking about unconscious bias and we're talking about, you know, workplaces maybe not being set up for people of diverse backgrounds. And I, I'm talking across different lenses there. So I think that the conversations that we had in 2020, I was both exhausted and upset, but also excited about them because it was the first time I felt as a brown woman that somebody was listening to my voice. And I think that PR has a a lot to do with that. The way it has moved forward and the way the industry is promising to change. We'll see whether it happens. All right, so Richard, as you reflect on the same question, also consider what skills you think will be relevant to that future of PR. Well, well, Tila has just shown us an example. She's given us an example of words that change the way we view the world. What is more powerful than words? So look, Martin, public relations, of course, is powerful because we have that ability to change the way people view the world through words, through communication. But I think a more a more straightforward answer to the question of how will public relations respond post-COVID is, of course, it's a mixed scorecard. There are whole sectors that are looking very weak. But I think Tila said it best because words can transform our understanding of the world. And public relations people are or should be the masters of communicating through words. Indeed, words are a unique essence of public relations, and that's what we've been discussing all day. My guests say that public relations is learning, adapting to the changing times, and making progress to a large extent. Nonetheless, the dynamics of public relations require that it remains open to diversity. Thank you very much, Tila, for your time on the podcast today, and congratulations on your presentation at the Women in Public Relations North America. I've just been able to go through your piece, and it was such a brilliant one. And thank you, Richard, too, for joining the conversation today. Always a pleasure chatting with you. You know that right here on Moments That Matter with Martin, the conversations don't stop. So join in on the next episode. Thank you very much. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Easy Martinez, Easy with a Z, and let's keep talking because it matters too.